I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. I've been binging your podcast for the last few days, which is so freaking good. And I was listening, the last one I listened to was with your client, Taylor Simpson. Uh-huh. And so I clicked on that because the title said something like, my client and I launched the same program and like neither of us cared. And I was like, ooh, that's really good. And when I listened to it, I never heard of her before. You introed her and you talked about her podcast called like, You're Too Much. And I was like, oh my God, like this podcast is called She's Too Much. And I had that like old programming second in me of scarcity of like, oh my God, like I wonder if she ever saw my podcast and thought that I took that name from her and da, 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 da. And then like, it was like a one second and I came back to myself and I was like, girl, you are so beyond that. Like, you know that there's this universal intelligence that is like these clouds of ideas that we're all opening ourselves up to and tuning into. And that's essentially what the whole podcast episode was about. But like really slapped me in the face from that second. And I was thinking to myself, like, I would have never had you on this podcast three, four years ago. Like, just being so honest, because I would have thought to myself, well, our work is way too similar. Our worlds are way too similar. We both like talk about play and pleasure a lot in business. And I was absolutely still in that programming of like, if somebody hears her and I build her up, this person who I respect as much as I respect you, people are going to go to her stuff and all of that. And I think that that's just a great place to start of like, Do you see that in this world? Because I do. And now being on the other side of it, it breaks my heart because we should be getting close to the women who share our values and share our ideals and our way of life. And I was wondering if you just speak to that for a minute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've had such an abundance mindset around like wanting everyone to win for a really long time. My Libra moon is all about like, I just like, I stand for humanity. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you see my branding, it like I no one lives out their chart harder than I do without even realizing it. <laughs> and still like we have programming around, you know, there not being enough space for everyone. And like, it's all programming, right? When you look at things through the lens of logic, And just like practicality and like, I mean, if we just did simple math, like how many people are in this world and how many people actually talk about the work that we do, like there's actually not enough of us. There's fucking not enough of us. And then I have people like my client, Catherine Zinkina um, from Manifestation Babe is she's been such a healing experience for me because at first I was like, when she reached out to me and wanted me to coach her, I'm like, who the fuck am I to coach someone who's, you know, she'll probably do. Uh, eight figures this year like she she, she's blown from just a numbers perspective like everything that I've ever done out of the water I'm like what do do I have to give her and then she brings me on her podcast and she's a money teacher and she says Andrea's the best money teacher I've ever known to her whole audience when her whole brand is on money and I just like I stood there for a second I was like this woman she leveled me up into like a greater state of like abundance in that exact moment. And like, that's just like you bringing someone like me onto your podcast is like you leveling other people up into it yourself, even, even me as well. Like you just saying like, Hey, there's space, there's capacity. It's so funny because we're so immersed in our world of like coaching and personal development and different ways of thinking that we think everyone thinks like this. And then you get out into the rest of the world and you are just mixed up in with the normies and you're like, Nope. (laughs) We need so many more of us. Like the most of humanity doesn't think like they doesn't think like we do. Even the people who are in the coaching world end up. I was just on a on a client call right before this. And she was like, you gave me permission to to take space for myself. To just take a rest. And I'm like. It doesn't matter if we're in the work. 
it doesn't matter if we do the same thing. Like, there's just not enough of us. And the number of times that I can say something or that you can say something, it might have not been the right time to where somebody even has the receptivity to, to actually get the medicine. So like if we stop saying it or if we don't have more people to say it or in a different way or different textures in people's voices, different frequencies, different stories, like it's just it's not going to land with enough people. It's never going to land with enough people. There's just too many humans. So mm. I just say like if there's anything that we're lacking, it's more of us. So well said. You know Raven Royce, right? She mm-hmm. was at the um she was at the leadership retreat that we met at. So Andrew and I met oh. at a leadership retreat in Tulum. So her and Brianna, they were doing like the voice yes. activation. Mm-hmm. So Raven was just on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whose episode's gonna air first, but that was also an amazing episode. And we were talking all about voice. And what you said, I think, is so important and something that people underestimate so much, I think, because especially women have a weird relationship with their own voices. Most people don't like the sound of their own voice. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much I actually hated the sound of my own voice until I went on that retreat. And it was like really put in my face of like, wait a minute, I don't even like the sound of my voice. So no wonder why I'm not using it and why Mm -hmm. at that time, I hadn't launched the podcast and all of these things. And what I realized is, is like my little twinge of Jersey and that like Italian passion and the way that I emphasize and the way that I communicate that is going to resonate with someone and wake them up and snap them into the moment, or it's going to bring them comfort because they're like, Oh, I grew up on the East coast. Like that feels like home to me. I feel like, Oh, like our, I can resonate with her in the way that she's saying it. And honestly, your story and where you come from is so far from how I grew up. It couldn't be more different. And that was a huge reason too why I wanted to bring you on because you are the living embodiment of someone who really turned nothing into like everything. You truly, I always say this, like on the podcast, the only guests that I have on are people who I know personally, or that like one of my besties knows personally and can make a personal recommendation because they know they're happy women. Mm -hmm. I don't care to have you on just because you've made over a million dollars and because you've made over a hundred thousand dollars in one day. I want to talk about that because it's amazing. But like that, I don't really care about that. There's people selling, you know, vapes at our millionaires. Are you happy? And you are one of the most, not only happy humans that I know and like happiness from a sense of like, fulfillment and satisfaction and who you are in your life, but also you live it out loud. Mm. Like you do not shy away from the fact that you, you are proud of yourself and that you deserve this and you're enjoying the luxury and the safety and the abundance that you've created for yourself. So with that, before the Andrea Crowder, you know, can make a million dollars, booming brand, like truly one of the leaders in the coaching industry, coaching people like Manifestation Babe makes $100,000 in 24 hours, which I've referenced to so many people because when I saw it, like I was so excited, so excited. I think that's how you know too, like you're, if somebody's a true expander for you, which you really are for me is like your success, like brings me to tears and chills because I just, I want it for you so bad. And I know if you can do it, I can do it. So before all of that, Take me back to like one of the first moments that pops into your mind of like the opposite of the woman sitting here today. Like what age was she? Where was she? Like who was she with? Bring me there for a minute. Yes, I will. And also I want to touch on what you said about voice because I think this is so real for so many people. And I had to like come to, you know, it's weird because like how we hear ourselves is not how other people hear us. So then there's like a conflict of identity. And what someone said to me a couple of years ago, and she goes, your voice has texture. And I was like, I've never heard somebody say it that way. And I was like, texture, what's that mean to me? And I'm like, okay, well, texture feels like grip. And grip feels something like tangible, like somebody else can like hold on to it. And it gives somebody like to ha- to feel like you can hold something in your hand and then connect it to the way you just said of like, now it feels real. It's almost like if there's grip, then what I've done is I've like dropped a rope for the people who believe that if I can do it, that they can do it, that they will climb. Like that blew my, blew my brain. <laughs> and I was like, 
wait a second. (laughs) So like those unique details of like our story and how we say it, how we deliver it, the cadence, the texture, all of that is grip. And that grip is rope. And that rope for the right person who connects with like our story gives them a reason to climb. And so like, I love like the little details of your voice and like how unique and how special they are to you and you will be that you already are that person for so many other people giving them something that they that's like tangible enough for them to grab and to climb up as well and to join you on this journey so thank you for using your voice and like owning your too muchness and and all of the things and so but the andrea who didn't know that Uh, the thing that comes to mind is like when I started my first business in network marketing, I, I like sold the business at first based off of community. I'm like, okay, I'm a military wife who has to move around all over. I never know when I'm going to have community again. And so I realized it was like this hunger in my heart that I was really missing. Like I was just malnourished in community and in depth. And so I started network marketing and I created these really fast friendships, friendships that I still have today. Like the person I joined in network marketing is now my podcast editor. And like we work together in my brand. And so it's just like so fun and full circle to see how all of that got started. But when I started, I was like so excited about community. And I think like most people, we have this vision of like, wait, this is possible. Let me try. And we get excited and we maybe surround ourselves with like the people that we want. And where you have almost that like newbie ignorance of like what it's going to take to get you there. And you're just like, fun. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. This sounds cool. And like you don't know what it's going to take. And you're not. I love that we kind of started with jealousy because that's actually what occurred is all of a sudden I'm, I'm forward facing. I'm so excited. I'm like running, running, running. So ignorant. I have all these blinders on just like hanging out with my friends. Let's go to the park. Let's just go sit and talk about boys and like all the things that we want and like our favorite nail polish and like all the things. And then all of a sudden I'm like looking to the right and then looking to the left. And I was like, wait, that girl that started running at the same time as me. I can't even see her anymore. She's so far in front of me. And now all of a sudden I'm like getting deflated because I'm perceiving that like I couldn't catch up and then I'm supposed to. And now all of a sudden my energy is going down and down and down because I'm no longer focused on where I'm going, what I want, and what I was excited about. I'm focused on like trying to catch something that was never motivating in me for the, in the first place. And it demotivated me and threw me off my path for a whole year and sucked. I remember this time where I just felt like I was just just like slitting into a new year on my face, like just road rash and just so much pain from being exhausted. I was still working a full-time job, trying to build my business at night. My kids were in elementary school. My ex was in the military. We're married at the time. And like there was just, it was so, it was feeling so much because I was trying to catch something instead of trying to build something. And I remember just going into my basement, getting ready to do a really fast workout so then I could run back up the stairs, put food in the oven, run back up the other stairs, get the kids in the bath, run back downstairs, work on my business, run back upstairs, go to bed for five hours, run to wake up the kid. Everything I was fucking running. And I just went into my basement and I just crashed into the floor and I just cried into the carpet. I was like, God, I can't do it like this. I cannot keep doing it like this. And that's when I found like Wayne Dyer's work. I didn't even know the words manifestation. You guys, this was like uh, 2012, I want to say. Like Gabby Bernstein was kind of becoming popular. She had written Spirit Junkie. And so it was kind of at the beginning of Spirit Junkie becoming popular. She wasn't like a global speaker like she is today. And I remember tweeting her and she actually responded to me. (laughs) So yeah, there was this like moment where I'm like, I cannot do it like this anymore. And I heard Wayne Dyer say, ego means edge God out. And I realized that I was like trying to do everything on my own. And I was like, this is so fun. Let me carry everyone. You want to come to climb on my back? Like, and I was just focused on not only getting myself there, catching up, trying to like, trying to like win up 
a race that I never even wanted to sign up for that all of a sudden I just found myself in, you know, according to like society saying like competition and like blah, 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 all the bullshit that we're fed. Right. And then I was like, but everybody can come and we'll race together. And when I say race together, I mean, just like, I'll carry you the whole time. (laughs) And like who specifically, like when you think about that, like who were you energetically putting on your back and like physically caring for? My family to start out with, like I wasn't asking for help. I didn't understand the power of delegation. In fact, delegation felt like a massive weakness to me. I was praised my whole life for being independent, hyper independent, and that I was like the good girl that never needed anything. And so my identity was not to need anything and like not asking for help, even though my my husband at the time was like so willing to help me. But he saw me suffering and he was not going to save me. And this was the biggest gift that he could ever give me. And he just sat there and he watched until and waited and said, I'll help you if you ask. I remember crying on the stairs for three hours, like snot coming out of my nose. I was in such a tailspin because the idea of opening my throat and saying I needed help felt like forsaking identity and felt like I had just come into like the greatest state of weakness that I had ever known when in truth, it was the most powerful state of vulnerability I had ever known. And he gave me the gift of learning the power of like asking and knowing that like he was so happy to help me. He's like, I want to see you win. This makes me feel good to take stuff off of you, but I'm not going to do it unless you ask. Uh, <laughs> damn. Now I'm like known for like helping people through this work because I suffered so deeply through it. But yeah, so there was these, this like jealousy that kept me down. There was this like hyper state of independence that kept me down. There was this uh, like I was living in these vision and these lies, too, that like I was doing everything that everyone said would equal success when in reality, I was really only doing the minimum of like the non-negotiables when it came to like promoting my business. And, you know, I was checking boxes, but I was not adding heart. And if those boxes weren't still empty, even with a check. <laughs> There's so much here. Yeah. So talk about a holy sentence. Like that's a God sentence, universal speaking. I will help you if you ask. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I actually say to people a lot. And when I say the word prayer, it's not like a, like a Catholic or Christian, like prayer is just to ask and to also give reverence to and give thanks. Like it's this, to me, this like beautiful conversation that goes on with you and whoever your source is, like your highest self or your ancestors or God or whatever, Buddha. And I'll always ask, like, do you pray for what you want? Mm -hmm. I do take time to like sit there and pray and ask and say that you're like ready for it. Or are you just like fighting time and fighting finances and fighting your lack of knowledge or lack of resources or whatever it is? And I'll help you if you ask. It's just amazing. And go ahead. It's holy co-creation. It's like, mm. yes, it is. And as like coaches, what's amazing to me and always dumbfounds me and I I'm curious if you have the same experience. New clients will come in and they'll be like, oh, they'll boxer me like three times in a row, like 30 seconds. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I just bombarded you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, could you clarify that? Like, I'm sorry. I didn't really understand that. Or I'm sorry. Do you have a resource on this? And I'm like, you're like not asking, you're apologizing for asking for help that you just paid for. And so even when people get to a place where they're ready to even pay for that level of help, it's still so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. And I remember with my first business coach, I was like that too. I was always wondering like, oh, am I asking too much? Maybe like I should be paying her more. There was like always this conversation going on in my head. And like, why do you think that is? And do you see mm-hmm. that? And also like, how do you help people get out of that narrative that asking for help is a sign of weakness, failure, insert the blank. When we were getting ready to launch my program called Daddy Energy, which is all around like building the million dollar dream team and leadership and um, delegation and like this whole entire topic, we were doing a photo shoot and we had, I had my project manager and my COO 
who also like used to be a photographer. So we're just like having fun. Like we did a photo shoot in my um, beautiful Airbnb at the time and had a blast with it. And I was like, okay, we need things. We need things steamed. And like we have a value in my in my business, which is if it gives you pleasure, it's a yes. If it feels like pressure, it's a no. And we put our attention on how it would feel to have done. So if your energy drops around something that around having done it, then it's a no for you and to give it to somebody else. And so I was like, ugh, like steaming, not for me. I looked at Lorelai and I was like, hey, do you have the energy to, so we ask it in that way. Do you have the energy to steam any of this? And I, and I saw her face immediately go, like her battery just started draining right in front of my face. And I was like, you're no. So I turned around the corner and I looked at Kayla and I was like, Hey, Kayla, how do you feel about steaming? And all of a sudden, I swear to you, I watched her come right in front of me. And I was like, you're the one. <laughs> she is just like, you'll let me steam? Like, oh, my God, her heart expanded. Her fucking vagina got wet. Like, <laughs> I just was like, so for me to say, like, for me to not have asked for help would have robbed her from from her battery being increased, charged, life force. Like, I just had this whole conversation with a guy I'm dating, and he's like, do you have WAP tattooed on your wrist? And I was like, yes, the fuck I do. He's like, what, do you, what is this? So it's WAP over DAP is the tattoo, and it stands for wet ass pussy over dry ass pussy. I can say that, right? I'm like, I know it's you. I'm like, I'm thinking oh, yeah, yes. No, 100%. Please say more. <laughs> okay, great. Say more. He's like, uh, expand, please. And I was like, it's my metaphor for living a turned on life. Like I want my battery to increase as I go toward, as I, as I age, right? As I move through this life, most people's battery decreases. I don't want to be the one. I want life force to continuously increase. So the loyalty that I have from people around me because I let them do the shit that turns them on is unparalleled. Like nobody wants to lose a spot on my team and people message us all the time. How can I get a spot on your team? Because we live these values so deeply. So if somebody's doing something that's all of a sudden decreasing battery, it gets delegated to somebody else. And so I know for me, when my clients come to me and they are vulnerable and they let me in and they let me serve them in like a deep, profound way, my battery is like, yes, (laughs) I feel so alive. And what I'm looking for is when I need help to find people who are alivened by help. The metaphor that I love to use is like if we're all different pieces on this like beautiful luxury car and I ask somebody who is like the happiest wiper blade to ever have wiper blade and I'm like, could you be the tire? And they're like, I guess I could try. And all of a sudden the journey becomes like clink, 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 clink. Nobody's happy in that car when the wiper blade is trying to be the tire, but you let that wiper blade on the window and they are just getting wet and they're going back and forth and all the friction and the motion and they're just like damn I love I wouldn't rather be anything in this whole world I'm the happiest wiper blade to ever have wiped blades or (laughs) windshields or like whatever like that's what I'm looking for like putting somebody in a different spot only because they could do the thing is such a waste of like creating this beautiful beautiful journey with other people the only reason that I believe that we feel bad about asking other people to do something for us is because we don't have the energy for it. And we're thinking, if I don't want to do this, they probably don't either. So it feels like I'm just passing off this task to someone else. In truth, they were like, please throw me the ball. Please throw me. I'm the one. Throw me the ball. I want to be the one. I can't wait. Please ask me to help you with steaming clothes. (laughs) God, this is so true. And it's like this, I would say, okay, I'll just give an example too, because this is like really, I wish I learned this sooner because I've I've gone through many phases and I'm still trying to figure out the team. Right now I have one person, I've gone up to like five. Mm -hmm. So this is like an area for me that I'm still really working through. Mm -hmm. And so my sister recently has helped, been helping part-time. And if I have to turn my expertise into a like Canva presentation, that shit makes me want to jump out this 18th floor window. Like truly. <laughs> yeah. The like like getting things aligned. Oh, like <laughs> I can't picking a font. 
I know what I like. I like it literally makes me want to like, oh, just oh gross. Throw me the ball next time you need a font. All of a sudden, I'm like, ah. no, way <laughs> too, I will shine for you. Way too detailed. <laughs> and so she is like, because I told she's like, what's holding this program up? Like, you've been talking about this for like six months. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, like, I want to make it more like easy for people to digest certain pieces of it and the worksheets and da da da. And she's like, I would love to do that. She's like, how yeah. much like can you pay me? And I like told her a number, which like way below her value right now, but it's what we can do. And she's, but I say that even in that, it's way below her value, but it's energizing to her. Yeah. So that also means something. Like if she's making half she was making as an attorney for me right. on the side, but she's really happy spending six yeah. hours in these Canva documents, that's a net positive. Like yep. she's happy at the end of the day. She has more energy to be with her fiance and be in her life. And so I really, yes, like I love that you say go to the end and think if I do this, is this going to be like a net positive? Am I going to feel energized for it or am I going to be depleted? So for the people who are listening to this, because I would say on this podcast, it's more, it's a mix. I would say most people who are listening have a dream that they want to launch their own business, want to start creating. And then there's a mix of people who already have the business. And so for the people who are at the stage where they like, truly don't have a dollar to invest to delegate any of it, mm-hmm. like, and they have to do the work that they know is going to drain them, like what then? Like, how can they still operate from a pleasure over pressure model and lens? Yes. Okay. So if you know, ultimately, it would feel good to have done. And here's the thing that I want to ask first is like, is the thing that you think you need actually really necessary? Because could you have done it without slides? Yeah. hundred. <laughs> totally. hundred. Like my first solo digital program was called the seven day experience only because I just needed some way to reference it, but it wasn't a name. So I intentionally did not name it. I didn't brand it. I didn't have a sales page. I didn't even have like a traditional payment page. I just made people PayPal me. I had, I had no photo shoot, no fonts, no nothing. I had no slides and I even did it in a free Facebook group and I just went live every single day for seven days. The only thing that cost me money was the PayPal fee when like whatever it is, like 3% or something like that. So I made $14,000 in about a week on my very first solo program and I got to keep all of that money because I, I spent zero time on the things that everybody said that they needed in order to make money online. And I did it. I did it without any of them to show people that the thing that you think you need is almost never what you actually need. What you need is your heart in the fucking check boxes. That's it. Bring your medicine, bring your wisdom, bring your essence, bring your full fucking ass into that project and and show up with people with like your zone of genius. And if you want to have slides and you can't hire someone and then you're like, okay, it would feel really good to have done desire to have them, but it doesn't feel good to do, then you can use, uh, I, I have a mantra called shift the frequency, do the thing. And so I get myself into the frequency of how good it would feel to have done it. And I'm seeing like people see the slides, they're like happy about them, they're understanding things more. I'm a visual learner too, like I need to see things. So like, if something requires something visual, I'll usually, I have a designer now, but before I would just like do things very, very simply, right? It didn't need to be, it didn't need to be magical and aligned and all of the things. It's nice to have. It feels good once you have it and you have a designer and that's great and also not necessary. So like I would, I would bring my energy into the project in the best way that I could. Like if I had to do taxes, shit that makes me want to peel my skin off, like do not enjoy anything that has to do with like taxes, details, numbers, but it feels so good to have done and avoiding it is also like peeling your skin off. It's like ripping your guts out. (laughs) Over time, you're like, this is awful not doing it either. So I would have a dance party first. I did what you did right before we started. And you're like, how do I get myself into the energy of pleasure? I would like mix some sort of like amazing drink or do a coffee or light candles or pour myself a glass of wine or like whatever to get myself into the energy of the celebration of completion. And then I would bring that energy into the doing of it. So like if it's something where you're like, okay, it's not my zone of genius. It doesn't bring me energy. Can you cause the energy for a short period of time to get it done? 
Yes, simply by being in the celebration of it being done. So good. And this is so simple, Mm -hmm. but people do not do it. Mm -hmm. Like I, a lot of people struggle with like actually sitting down and writing out content. It's like, I have all these ideas, but then when I like sit down, Mm -hmm. I like can't write the caption or I don't know which one to start. So I always ask people like, okay, like when in your like weekly routine is your energy the highest? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's like after a yoga class or after a dance class or after hanging out with my best friend or whatever it is. So I'm like, when you get back in the car, like pull out your voice memos and that's when you make your content or Mm -hmm. just like open your phone and start recording and you are such a good living example of that because mm-hmm. there's so many times you're just on Instagram and you post it on your feed and it's like you're, you know, in your hat or in your sweats and you're just talking. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's doing that because she's smart because whatever she was just doing before this was putting mm-hmm. her in a state of inspiration. And instead of waiting like a little like corporate robot to get back to your desk mm-hmm. and feel like, okay, I'm going to put it in some type of format that is this, you know, acceptable means of way of working and transmitting my message. I'm just going to take out this magic little box and just channel it through and just yeah. like, yeah. It's gold. I'm super ADHD. So like sitting down to do a long task, I will avoid it like the plague. Won't do it. I'm highly motivated by reward. And so I built my whole business and I I teach through the lens of reward in everything I do because I don't want to wait to the end to get the dessert. Like I want dessert the whole way through every little bite. Give me the sugar. I want it now. <laughs> like like I, I demand it. So yeah, all right. Content. I People asked me for the last seven years to write a book. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. Like the idea of sitting down at my laptop, I tried. I did like, I have a chapter of like seven different books started. (laughs) One chapter (laughs) or an intro or like a title page somewhere. Like just, I, I hated the idea of like sitting down to write a book. And then I accidentally spoke one and I have a book coming out by the end of this year. Like I, I, Wait, there's a date now? It's going to be by the end of this year. I just got the manuscript yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's the money one, right? Yeah. Amore money is coming out. Amore money is all around like taking my ADHD need for like immediate reward and building it into like building wealth because in a way where you're not like being disciplined and making sacrifice. Tell me more about this. So you talked about this on your podcast, which is the unruly entrepreneur, by the way, we'll link it in the show notes. It's so freaking good. I've actually had like multiple people send your podcast to me and not knowing that we know each other been like, you need to listen to her. Like what you say resonates so much. Like you would love her, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I already do. Thank you. Like, keep it coming. like truly multiple people. But anyways, you were talking about this concept about like in your vocabulary, you do not use words like sacrifice, discipline, discipline. even consistency. Mm-mm. And that's all we hear in entrepreneurship. Like, and I would say like mass media entrepreneurship, like that's dominated more by like bro marketing, Gary Vee hustly culture. Mm-hmm. And this was such a place of um, contention between my ex and I. He would always like his approach to money and talking about money it was always coupled with sacrifice. And like Gary Vee, I'm thinking like, I actually like am into some of the things that he says, but not not the sacrifice piece. Like you have to sacrifice and immediately I'm just shut down. I'm like, if I have to sacrifice things that I love in order to get what I love, that doesn't make any sense. Like <laughs> wouldn't I want to be approaching a thing that I love with loving, fun energy? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm sacrificing to get there, then isn't the thing that I'm going to get to like be built on sacrifice? Then I lived all of these years in this sacrificial mindset and then I get there and think I'm going to enjoy myself. That doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but it's the programming. And so talk to me about this. Like you don't believe in these words. So like what do you believe in and how does that help your ADHD? because God knows, I think most people have it right now. Mm -hmm. I believe in desire over discipline. And when I lead with desire from the perspective of I desire it to be done. Now, most people are looking like I desire to do it. So here's a good example. Let's say you are dairy free and you're like, but that delicious ice cream, right? I just like need it. You desire to do it. But then afterwards, you're like, you're in the bathroom for six hours and you're like, that did not feel good to have done. I put my attention always at the end first. 
So most of us are trained to look at the first bite and we're like, mm-hmm, or uh-uh. The first bite of any experience, not just food. So like the bite is always the metaphor, but I put my attention on how will it feel to have done. I've lost weight this way, literally. I've had people who come to my programs, I teach this around money and they lose weight too. Because like, and, and like physically people's digestive systems start working better simply from just putting the concept in all areas of life around how would it feel to have done? So I'm starting from the end and I'm working my way backwards. And if I feel an increase of energy around having done it, then I ask myself, how can I do it with an increase of energy? So I go back to shift the frequency, do the thing. So this is how I approach everything with money. In fact, I was just in Paris last week. You guys, I had like, we had another launch going. We were already like 60K in, like killing it, like did $154,000 in September cash received, not just sales, have no idea what our total sales were, like numbers that just feel stupid, right? Like so stupid and really enjoying the most magical experience in Paris. The first time I ever went to Paris, I couldn't even afford to walk on certain streets. I was like, they're gonna know I'm broke as fuck and I have like $2 in my bank. (laughs) And now I'm like walking in the street, staying in like the largest suite in the hotel that I was staying at that they had. I went to the guy and I was like, I forgot my key card in the room. And he's like, what room are you? And I was like, shit, I didn't even look at the number on the door. He just like the guy led me there. And I was like, I don't know. Like he goes, what floor? And I said eight. And he, I was like, it's a suite. And he goes, just say you're in the big room. <laughs> it's like you're in our biggest suite. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> I was just living my life of like, I made it to Paris and I could afford to stay in the big suite, like (laughs) living my full dream. And that felt so good to have done. And I'm going to reminisce. The experiences that we have are prolonged through our ability to reminisce. And so when we make the decision that doesn't feel good to have done, we suffer the experience the longest. And when I say desire, I desire to enjoy the experience the longest, which comes through imagining, doing, and reminiscing. I want a checkbox of fuck yes in all three of those boxes. If I can get it in all three, I'm gonna. If I can only get it in one, it's gonna be in the feels good to have done because reminiscing is the longest part of it. So I want to, I'm going to remember that moment of like investing, I don't know, I think it was like $1,500 or $2,000 a night or something like that. I can't remember for, for the suite. I will forever remember launching my program known, staring out, and then all of a sudden the Eiffel Tower just lights up like a Christmas tree. And I almost cried. I'm like, what is this life? <laughs> and then the next day, I went to Gucci and I bought this bag and I was like, it's so cute. It's like matches my brand. It's going to match my new car. Literally like all of the details. And I woke up the next day and I tried to like use the Gucci bag with an outfit. And all of a sudden I felt this drop in energy. And I was like, I don't love this bag. Like it checks the boxes, but my heart is not in it. There's a version of me that would have kept the bag because bringing the bag back would have represented possibly somebody thinking that I couldn't afford it. And my ego would have been involved. And I was like, I'm not that girl anymore because I'm not willing to reminisce upon having this bag for any day longer than today because that will cause me the greatest length of suffering versus me walking in, looking this person in the eyes and saying, it didn't match my outfit. And he just looked at me like, it didn't match your outfit. And I was like, nope, take it back. I, yeah. I tried to buy a Chanel watch while I was at this whole Paris experience was truly me living my values in like the most beautiful way. I was just like laughing. I bought nothing. I came home with no, no things. I walked into Chanel and I was like, this is the most beautiful watch I've ever seen. I put it on my wrist and I was like, I love it so much. Can you get me a different size? Cause you couldn't adjust it. And I was a hundred percent about to hand that girl $7,000 for a watch. Never done that before. And she puts the small one on and it doesn't, it's just like a teeny bit too tight, but the medium one was too loose and I could just feel it clinking on my wrist. And I hate things loose and clinking on my wrist. I like things to be nice and tight and snug. And I looked at her and I was like, take it back. 
the old Andrea would have bought that $7,000 watch because I didn't want her to think I couldn't afford it. And I would have suffered with that $7,000 watch and that purchase for years. God knows to come because there's so much about how we spend. It's all about people's perception of us or even our perception of us and all of the meaning. And all I care about is do I feel an increase of energy in having done it? It's the only question I give a fuck about. If the answer is yes, I'll spend $7,000. I would have spent $12,000 on the watch. If it was a no, I will spend zero. And I will look you straight in the eye and say, it's not for me. Thank you. And I will walk out of Paris with not a fucking extra thing in my bag. And it felt so good to do. So I'm thinking of an example right now. Because like, I have noticed I'm spending way too much money on food for my comfort level mm-hmm. at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I really like to cook at home. And it's like better for my body right now. I'm like more in control of it. Like living in New York for some reason, it's just like Mm -hmm. I'm spending so much money on food. It's expensive. And so it is. It's it's like really expensive. And I've been – so what I'm hearing with this, like what I want everybody to really take away is like we think that the moment that we have to say like we actually don't want this purchase or the moment that we have to say like I'm just going to get a like a small appetizer for dinner because I ate at home and I'm like still wanted to go out to dinner with my girlfriends. Like I did this a couple of days ago. Like I could physically afford the dinner. Like there, nothing about that would put me into scarcity, but I wanted to eat at home. Like I wanted to eat really clean. I didn't want to eat Thai food. And so like I used to think in my mind, like, oh, like only ordering this small little thing or not going to the dinner would be so painful. But actually like the the longest experience of that whole thing would be me having like spent money on food that I didn't really wanted and then having to think about that. Mm -hmm. And like also like having to feel kind of off because I like ate the curry when I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Like that is what you have to live with. The one second that you have to say like, I'm returning this or I'm actually not going to buy this or I'm not going to go to dinner or whatever it is. That's just a second. And people actually don't care as much as we think that they care, but you have to live with your decision forever or Mm -hmm. every single time you pick up that bag or pass that restaurant or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. it's such, you're right. It's such a different way of looking at things. And it's so much more self-honoring and it's so much more self-loving. And yeah, it's really beautiful. I think it's actually mutually loving because when we make decisions based off of other people's perceptions of us, we become a manipulator. Mm, We're making decisions to try to manipulate how they think about us like I never thought of it that way and I was like I feel like my values are like I want to I want to allow you to come to your own conclusion like I value freedom so deeply and then here I was like changing myself or changing my behavior changing my decision in order to manipulate how you think about me I all of a sudden had to try on the identity of being a manipulator and I was allergic I was like this is not who I am and I will never do you do that to you again, whether it be a stranger or a friend, I will not do that to you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Truly. Because I I had this thought the other day when I just like ordered this little appetizer and it was like with some people who I like hadn't met and some like girlfriends that I really love. And I thought to myself, like, you know, I thought to myself, like, I don't want them to think I'm like broke or like my brand isn't doing good. Like I had that conscious thought in my head of like, if I'm just ordering this little thing and I'm not drinking, really, it's my health and the way I choose that I want to spend my money, but it doesn't matter. But if I am like, you know, doing things just to like fit in or make everybody comfortable or whatever it is, you're right. I am absolutely manipulating how they see me. And like they get to decide what their perceptions are of me. And I just get to live the most honest life for me. And you're right, that's completely mutually beneficial and supportive on both ends. And that's also the foundation of a real relationship. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's an honest relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So... There, I have my little list and there's a couple of more things that I really want to pivot to. So you said something on your podcast, you referenced this 
concept in spirituality, personal development that we hear all the time, which is like, everything's working out for me. And it can feel when you're in the thick of it. I think also like in extreme cases, like losing a loved one or like a deep sickness or something like that's the last thing you want to hear. And I would never say that to anybody who's like really in the throes of deep grief or sickness or anything like that. And everything's working out for me is actually how I choose to live my life through that lens. Because when I choose to live my life through that lens, I do find the reasons that the house flooded or whatever it is. And so talk to me about the shift from thinking everything's working out for me to, as you said on your podcast, knowing that everything is working out for you. Like, how did that happen? How did you become a person who's so grounded in that belief system? Because most people teach us to look forward and to have faith in something unseen. And I'm constantly looking back and I'm just finding tangible evidence. So I have this mantra called where I say, this got me to that and that will get me to this. And so what I'm doing is I'm bridging what I can't see yet with evidence of when I couldn't see before and then it did work out. So I'm not the girl that you go to that says, just have more faith because I think it makes people slightly ragey inside sometimes because they're like, I couldn't fucking possibly have more faith than this. I've been having faith for a really fucking long time and nothing else is coming through and I'm really fucking tired of this. And so I'm the girl that says, become the motherfucking FBI agent looking for evidence in which you are winning and you are always winning and you can always find evidence. It's just Sometimes we just need evidence to be a little bit more of like a parallel of like, maybe it's not in this arena because I've never played here before, but I have played in an arena somewhere. So where did I play and how did I win? I'm looking for steps. I'm looking for evidence. I'm looking for the the mantra for of this got me to that and that will get me to this came through when I was on this like fun vision walk here in Fort Lauderdale. I just moved to the city after my house fire. And I walked past past this beautiful, like modern office and it was empty and it had just like, I think was towards the end of the construction. I was like, God, it would be so cool to have like a unruly entrepreneur, like HQ somewhere someday and like have, like, I love freedom, but I also love collaboration. So I'm like, someday I'll have a place where people can come together on a regular basis and we can co-create and that feels exciting to me. But I remember looking at it and the thought that floated in was, if you can't afford it now, you won't be able to ever. And I, and the energy instantly felt deflating and I was like, that didn't feel good. So number one, I don't identify with thoughts as mine unless the thought increases physical power. Otherwise, it's just trash in my current. So like if you were to step into a stream and a piece of trash floated by, you wouldn't pick the trash up, strap it to you and keep it for keep it for always and say, this is mine. This is who I am now. Thoughts are something we experience, but they're not who we are. And so I might have an experience where I think a thought of like, I'm a great, um, I'm a great evidence seeker. That feels like power for me. So I'm going to keep that and that can be identity, but I'm not capable of affording. That's an experience that's not identity. So those two are going to be separated and I'm going to just be like fascinated. So what I said to myself was, whose fucking current did I just step into? Because those are not my thoughts. (laughs) If energy is energy is energy, I just stepped into somebody else's fucking current. That's not my shit. And so I said, that's not me. That's not identity. And then I looked for evidence and I was like, remember the time when you thought you couldn't afford like the million dollar home? I was living in this home and I was living, I was paying like $4,000 a month. And then I wanted to live in like the bigger house and it was going to be like $5,700 a month. And I'm looking back and I'm like, at the time that felt like a big stretch, but I did it. And now $5,700 a month feels like pennies compared to like the 10.5 that I'm paying. And so I'm like, well, 5,700 feels like a savings now. (laughs) So there was a point where something that felt so big now feels like a savings if you were to pay it. So I'm like, I'm looking for evidence of like, if, and, and also I'm like, and also how much is this place? Cause what if it's like 3k a month? And I'm like, (laughs) that would feel like a savings. 
<laughs> like such a joke. So we don't even always know the rules and we're just assuming that we can't even like get into the arena before we even know if we can play. So I also pulled out my phone and I was like Googling like office real estate and I'm realizing this whole way. I'm like, number one, what used to feel impossible now feels like pennies. And even if I couldn't afford that place right now, I know that that moment got me to this where impossible feels like pennies and this moment will get me to that. So I was like straddling both parallels and both realities as if now I took evidence and I made faith real, tangible, and I knew it. I knew it in my whole soul that that was an inevitable opportunity for me if I still deeply desired it. So good. So this is a little bit different than business, but I do want to speak into it because cultivating faith is something that's really, really important to me. And it's a hard thing to teach for me, at least. It has been difficult to articulate. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about and experimenting with different ways to teach how to build faith without a foundation of religion. Mm -hmm. And I remember like when my dad was like in the dying process, everyone still was saying to me, just have faith, yeah. just have hope. And I knew intuitively, like the doctors didn't say he has a month or two months, but I knew, like I knew he was dying. And ooh, I don't know if I've said this before. And I was, I even like my best friend, like love her to death, but she's like, no, like, you know, it, like just have faith. You just have to be positive. Think Louise, hey, like, you know, we're going to get him into a better place and find better doctors and all these things. And I felt like I had nowhere to even go to say my truth of like, no, I don't think he's going to live. Yeah. And the whole world is like sending me this narrative of positivity. And so I thought to myself, well, our whole, my whole upbringing, it was like, have faith in this positive result. Like have faith in what you're saying and like this thing like next in this future vision. But I'm like, what if the future vision is really bad? Like in this conversation, we're talking about like positive business things, so a little bit of a pivot, but still the same concept. So like, what if this, you know, thing, this next step, like there is no best case scenario. Yeah. Like truly. And I like could not grasp like what that means, but I looked at my foundation of faith as exactly what you so beautifully articulated, which is where have I been in my life that I thought I could never get through the worst moments? And I was like, oh, my car accident when I was 15, like really wanted to die. Like I was in so much pain for so long in the hospital for so many weeks, broken back, all of these things, like never thought I'd be okay again to here I am. Yeah. And I'm like, if I could get through that, it's not the same. But like, I know that I'm a woman who can get through it. And my dad raised me to get through it. Like, yeah. I know that based on our lived experience together. Mm -hmm. And so this is like, really, truly, Andrea, like the gift that you have to articulate the process of cultivating faith within yourself. It's gold because it's true. Like we are taught, like, look at this future reality, but sometimes it's really hard yeah. and it's hard to connect with yourself in that like really strong, you know, way, but you can connect with your lived experience of all of the things that are probably way harder than pressing post on an Instagram page. Like I always say that to people. I'm like, yeah, like, look at your story. Yeah. Like, look at where you come from. Like, this is not going to be this hard. I promise you that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, snaps to you. Mm, that's such a powerful story. And I think, like, I love how you think about that because what you were looking for was for somebody to help you be okay either way. Yes. And people just, humanity doesn't understand. Like, everyone, I, in moments like that, people are so well-intentioned and so unprepared. Right? And it takes people like you and I, who we are the problem solvers of like, how do we get through even the worst case scenarios? And like, that's the way that we're built. We have like the software to be able to get us to think that way. And so I look at those people and I'm just like, thank you for trying. You didn't have the software. Like, and also who does? <laughs> well, so what <laughs> I'm thinking about too is like, you know, doctors are taught that if somebody dies or if there's like an incurable diagnosis, 
it's a failure. Like that's yeah. literally what their programming is. Like you failed if someone dies. Well, that's like inedible. So like that mindset though is really like pervasive in every area of life, including yep. business. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started business coaching, like I don't know how many, six years ago now, I thought to myself, like doctor mindset, like if they yep. have a failed launch, like not only did they fail, but like I'm a failure as a coach. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just crazy. The point is to cultivate that faith within yourself, but also with your like scientific goggles to see and collect the data of like what worked, what didn't work so that you can continue to do it. And so like exactly what you're saying, like who finding those people in your life that are equipped to say like either way that this goes, like it's your first one, it may not go that great or it may go really great. We're going to see, but either way, you're going to be good. And like, this is how I can help support you and see you and celebrate you in either direction of how this goes. Mm -hmm. When people come to me and they see like the the roster of clients that I work with, they automatically assume like she's the one to help me to get to a million or something like that. And when somebody comes and they ask me for help and they're like, okay, I'm at multiple six figures and I want to get to seven. I'm like, I'm not your coach. I am not your fast cash coach. I have zero desire. Don't give a fuck. I'm happy when you make the money. And also the only thing that I care about is your experience of power the whole way there, the experience of pleasure the whole way there, the experience of increase of battery the whole way there, life force the whole way there, lessons the whole way there, like power, 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 power. Like if you want that, come back and we'll talk. But like the rest of it can't help you. Like don't want to. I mean, like it's going to be a byproduct, you know, but it's not the thing that I care about. And the reason that most people I mean, we've talked about this in like really subtle, nuanced, different ways, the whole conversation. But like you had mentioned too, like, I don't want to bring people onto this podcast that have just made a million dollars. I want to bring happy people into this podcast because how many people do we watch burn their business to the ground because they built themselves into this bougie prison? Like, I'm not here for that. Like, I don't want to help you make fast money. I want to help you make pleasure money. I want to help you make life force money. I want to help you make change the world money or like whatever is important to you. But money's just the bridge to get us the thing that we think we the thing that we really want, which might be spaciousness, more creativity, more connection, more joy, more experience. Like, what are your values? Like, I I might value like random spontaneity. I value spaciousness where I have one client call on Monday and this client has worked with me for almost two years now. As soon as the day comes where we don't work together anymore, nobody will ever get on my calendar on Monday again. Monday is mine. And I only let her on my calendar because she's such a fucking easy client. (laughs) I'm just like, we show up and it's like, it's like fiery energy back and forth. And I feel this like battery and increase. But like the day that that doesn't happen anymore is like the day it's done. Monday is mine. It's for creativity. I go on walks. I want to be influenced by life. I want to be out in the world. I want to sit in my car and write content where I... I don't know, you guys, if you're ADHD, I swear to you, the best written content is when you're in like a teeny little closed space and you can't get distracted by other things. Yes. I literally <laughs> been talking about this on the subway. Yeah. I'm like, thank God for the subway. Yes. We write the majority of my podcasts, the majority of everything yeah. on the subway. I'm telling you, there's a train right here and I'm about to start taking train rides just for fun <laughs> or for content, really. Because I'm like, how much do I write on an airplane? How can I do this? more frequently without having to get on an airplane the train (laughs) damn i'm wondering what that is i'm thinking about it because i always have said the the plane is my most creative time like i always justify spending money on trips because i'm like i will have a whole new program totally the time i land in california and i wonder if it's just like that sensitivity well this is why i love working on weekends because Mm -hmm. i feel like the energy like in those spaces like subway i don't have service airplane i don't have service unless i buy the wi-fi and so i don't feel that access to me mm-hmm. and yep, like that same. energy around me. And so I love to work on like a Saturday because the yep. world's energy calms down a little bit. Mm-hmm. People are more in play. They're more in pleasure. And I feel less of that frenetic energy. And I get to like really just zone in and feel like I'm unbothered and same. like untouched. Mm-hmm. I record some of my best modules for my programs on like a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I could obviously talk to you all day, but to be conscious of time, what are you most excited about right now that you'd like to share? You know, my kids are in like such a grounded, peaceful place for the first time in a really long time after going through like some major uprooting of my divorce and 
moving and our house fire and like their dad's PTSD and like all the things. And like, honestly, I'm just most excited about seeing them like make choices for their future and be grounded and like seeing them like figure out who they are and what they want. Like businesses, like I don't know, but my business is the mind of its own and it just tells me what it wants. <laughs> so I'm just like, my business doms me <laughs> in the best way, in the most like delicious, pleasurable PS. <laughs> I love to be dominated by anything in like the state of pleasure. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like watching them become like really cool humans and adults and like figure out life and fuck shit up and like make mistakes and you know, having that like richness and like the richness also of like deep connection. I'm looking around my life and I am so wealthy in depth of connection. You know, I get to meet you and spend time with you in New York and like every single person that I know in my life feels like such a special rich connection. And I feel like with one call, I could be anywhere, have anything or do anything. And like, I feel my network is priceless. And I've spent so many years building up this richness and I'm just reveling in it right now. Mm -hmm. Final question is, is there any part of you right now that you're still integrating and accepting like a too muchness? Yeah. So like dating. (laughs) I think my version of too, too muchness is like believing people have capacity to hold me. And like, yeah, I just saw that on your face. I was like, damn, okay, yep. (laughs) We could go cross-eyed. I know. (laughs) So like, I'm so good at holding other people, but like this goes back to my hyper-independence and like I'm really breathing through letting men in right now and letting them hold me when I feel weak in like really microwaves because like like a big way, I'm like, blah, (laughs) baby steps. But I, like, met this, like, amazing human. We've only known each other for a few weeks, but, like, he's one of those humans that you can say anything to. And it's, like, there's nothing that's, like, weird, off topic. There's no taboos. There's, like, it's just everything is very as a matter of fact. And, like, oh, yeah, like, you like that sexually. Like, every it's, it's just, like, all as a matter of fact. Okay, cool. Like, he wants to know the details. And I'm just, like, and then we had lunch yesterday. And he's been like really letting me in, telling me about like really tough stuff that he's gone through. And I feel so special that he's let me in. And I noticed last night, I'm like, you didn't give that back to him. You didn't let him back in. And I was like, okay, why didn't I do that? And I came up with all this evidence of why I believed that he couldn't. And then I was like, and if you could build the evidence that that wasn't true, what would that look like? And I was like, so interesting that I had quite enough evidence that he actually could have so I was living in a story that he couldn't and so I didn't to the point where I was like he's so cute he's so fun and like yeah it's great to have all this vulnerability with him but he can't hold me and I almost ended things first of all we don't make decisions when we're on our period ladies (laughs) I knew I was like crazy in the moment but I'm like like my I feel like I feel I've felt like my sensations have felt have felt fear that men can't hold me. And the truth is, is that there have been men that couldn't hold me. And that's not true that all men can't hold me. And like I'm working on building new evidence in that area that like I'm not too much and I'm not too big and I'm not too heavy. And like that, like there are strong enough men in this world that can that do have capacity for me you're listening to this and you have a man like that, tell us about it. Go make out with him. Give him a blowjob. Say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Like truly, yeah. I think um, we're on a similar journey with that because there's, it's like, I think when you have enough evidence of not being held in that way, it's it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But also it's, it does make me think how much of the reason why I didn't feel held in previous relationships was because I was thinking he couldn't hold me Mm -hmm. and didn't actually give him the full opportunity in some ways. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm with you. (laughs) I'm excited to swap stories for all of the men to come or that special man to come that really can. 
stay tuned. I'll come back on the podcast when I figure this out. (laughs) Please. There's like a zillion more things. I wanted to tell everybody like how you actually make your money, but go follow Andrea. It's Andrea Andrea Crowder on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She sells the most amazing programs. She works with, with people privately. And your way to make money is just beautiful. It really is. Like I think about it all the time. I think about you all the time. Like you live in people's hearts like truly the way that you operate. And I'm just so grateful when women decide to just live their their joy and their luxury out loud without hiding it because it shouldn't be hidden. Like you deserve this and every woman deserves whatever that flavor and that texture of luxury and wealth and comfort is for them. And I just think you are like, whew, so in your purpose and just yeah. I'm grateful to call you a friend, really. Same. Mm. Thank you, everybody. Um, Andrew, how can they connect with you best way? Go to Instagram, love underscore Andrew Crowder. If you heard anything that was like a zing in your heart around this, send me a message. I'm such, I have like such a praise kink. So I'm just going to be honest. It would make me feel so good for you to come tell me where like something that was said in this discussion, like made your heart happy. And that would make my heart really happy. (laughs) We're going to ask for it, babe. And we're being honest. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. Send love to everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Andrea. Yes.